Second Chronicles, the Old Testament, Second Chronicles, and as you're making your way there to Second Chronicles chapter 20, I'll be reading from that in just a moment. I may just make a couple other quick notes. Number one, uh, for the young people, be sure to be here still tonight. I know Pastor Noah and Kelly are not here. Uh, Bella had a little earache last night and temperature went up and they had to get to the doctor this morning in order to alleviate that. And those of us that have had children know that they never have earaches at noon. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it always happens in the middle of the night. So, uh, so they are tending to their daughter and I'm sure they'd appreciate your prayer in that regard. And might also pray for, uh, Gary and Nita Pruitt, he had to be taken in the early morning hours to the hospital as well. Uh, many of you know he's been challenged with a, a cancer fight, and I don't know all the details with regards to that, but uh, Pastor Noah is kind of hopping this morning, so uh, just remember that whole family, and they'd appreciate that very much. I believe, though, in this three-week fast, the enemy, you know, he's, he's, he's skirmishing and, and, and thrashing, and we're going to grab him by the nose and kick him in the tail. And, and we're going to keep him under our feet like it says in Romans uh, 16, 19. And uh, we're just going to keep pressing on. Uh, so I trust if you feel like the enemy's been after you, wear it as a badge of honor. Because that means you're noteworthy to him. And, uh, you know, it was Paul, I think, who said that, that he was known in hell. So um, to be known in hell, uh, to be known... In the ranks of the kingdom of darkness is one who is a threat uh, to the enemy's dominion. Amen. Amen. Don't hide. Just get out there and go after it. And that's what we've been doing as we've been praying, fasting, and giving together. It's the 15th day. Can you say amen to day 15? Praise God, it's day 15. And uh, we're headed down the stretch. And I had mentioned that th there were praise reports that were coming my way. And I just want to read a, a couple to you. We have time this morning. So I just want to read what's going on in people's lives. And, and folks, if you hear one of your emails to me, I've done my best to sort of hide who you are. So, so it could be, uh, it could just go out there in its most pure form. One wrote to me and said, on, on Monday at prayer service, I felt like I got a word. With my background religiously, I'm not sure what all that entails or how to be sure, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, it is not a question of if revival, outpouring, church explosion is coming to legacy, but a question of when and how. I felt he was saying there have been lots of movements, outpourings that start well, but they don't always carry on well or end well. We need to be careful, diligent to get ourselves individually and corporately in order. I'll say that again, get ourselves individually and corporately in order and established because when it comes... The enemy will step it up to discredit and destroy it and us. We need to make sure we don't position ourselves to give in or fall and get labeled by the world and the church as another circus. I think the Lord really wants revival in and of Charleston to be different in that it is lasting and credible and grounded even as we're doing all the weird acts. Here's another one. Hi, Pastor. Since the fast, I've been really praying for my children. I had some setbacks with getting some financing related to school for my child. Well, it came down to the deadline, but we were able to get the first semester financed. And a family member who really does not have a great relationship 
with my child paid for all of their books. God is doing some amazing things. About two weeks before the fast, it felt like everything was hitting rock bottom. And I started to question my faith, even though I know that's not the thing to do. However, God showed up in such a great way. And he is so faithful to us. Isn't that a good report? And then this one was interesting. I just thought I'd take the time to read it. In the last week or so, we've had an occurrence of flies in our fluorescent overhead light fixture. There were a lot of them, and they were unusually large. They were much larger than house flies, but smaller than horse flies. After a day or two, they die, but we are still seeing a few new ones every day. They have garnered a lot of attention because we do not see even a single fly that often. The roof was repaired a few weeks back, and some thought that that had something to do with it. I really didn't give it much thought until I began to read Jensen Franklin's book on fasting yesterday. In the book, he tells a story of a married couple on an extended fast that had a large number of flies swarming in and out uh, of the ocean while the lady was praying for a friend's bondage. The flies represented demonic spirits, principalities, and powers. And as we have learned, Satan is called Beelzebub, meaning Lord of the Flies. We came to Charleston many years ago start a business, and while we've been diligent, we, don't, we, we do not see the growth that we thought we would have seen, while others seem to prosper. We could not rise above certain levels no matter what we did. All last year, we struggled financially, but the last few months have been abysmal for us. We've seen the marketplace for our products simply tank. Over the last year, I have anointed with oil, prayed for guidance, took authority over the business, and I fasted for three days in November Yet nothing seemed to change. Less than a week into this corporate fast, combined with praying and giving, I believe that this manifestation of flies is the physical evidence of the exposure and the annihilation of the spiritual forces that have been against us. In the book, it says concerning the fast that it brings a scriptural season of cleansing. And only then can we stop swatting at flies, only to drive them away for a time but we will see devils dropping like flies in our lives and our families' lives and even generations to come. Isn't that cool? That's what God's saying to folks out here. Amen. And that is an encouragement, and, and I agree with all that we're hearing God say. This past week, as we had gathered together on Monday and Tuesday to pray together uh, the word of the Lord began to blossom and come forth, and uh, it seemed good to the Spirit that he underscored the word strategy. Everybody say strategy. strategy. Strategy is a plan. It is most often used with perhaps uh, athletic events, military you know, dealings, wars. A strategy is, is your plan on how you're going to approach the future. Your strategy is what you put in place in order to somehow begin to move with success into your future. And when that word strategy came forth, it bore witness with so many people. It bore witness with me uh, in particular because we need a strategy. Many of you need a strategy. You need a strategy this year in 2009 regarding... Certain things like perhaps your relationships. You need a strategy with regard to relationship. Maybe you need a strategy with regard to your finances. Some of you are looking for a strategy with 
job careers. Some of you need a strategy because you feel like God's called you maybe into the ministry and you're wondering how in the world God's going to get you into the ministry. Maybe you need a strategy with regards to your health and those concerns. But whatever area of life it may be, God gives strategy in order that you can go forward. In fact, let me be so bold or blunt to even say this. I don't think you can go forward without a strategy. Legacy as a body. Now, now my concern obviously is my, my personal life and my family. Those are my first priorities. But right below that, my priority is what's our strategy together as a people. And we need strategy as well, not man-made strategy, not fleshly strategy, not earthly, natural strategy. But how many of you know we need divine strategy? Because if you get a divine strategy, that is what will defeat the enemy and it will cause us as a people to go forward. You don't need another business book to get your strategy. You need divine strategy. Are you hearing me? I'm all for relational books. I think you ought to go buy relational books. I'm all for counseling. I'm all, I'm for all these things. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But there comes a moment you gotta get on your face before God and you gotta get your strategy. Are you with me? This week, I was unusually busy this week. I have, you know, weeks that I may not be all that busy, but some weeks are busy and this was a busy week for me. And I was tracking down and working through all the different financing options for our project that we want to do out south of the city there on John's Island. And so I was on the phone a lot, talking to a lot of different people. I was actually contacted again this week by another mortgage broker wanting to uh, help us accomplish some of our goals. And to make a long story short, because... I'm telling you, it was all week long. I felt like that's all I did. I felt like the phone was growing to my ear. I mean, all week long, we were talking with people. But I, I was talking to this one particular mortgage broker, and as we were talking, he began to share with me all the things that I needed to do as a pastor. I'm always amazed at how mortgage brokers and businessmen, and I'm always amazed at how many people really know what the pastor ought to be doing. I'm just always, I always marvel at that. And so he was sharing with me all the things that I needed to be doing with regards to marketing strategy and in regards to uh, creation of corporate business models. And he began to talk to me about gap analysis and per capita giving and, and, and strategies and trends. And all of this was going on on the phone. And believe me when I say that I totally understand. I mean, I, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. I get it. That people give money to a church and a church has to steward it and there's some organization and, you know, some administration and, 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 and there's a, a model by which things can be structured in order to have organization and credibility. Believe me, I, I get those things. I get it. But I am personally weary of developing marketing strategy that doesn't include what is God saying. I mean, can we just be real honest? I've been watching the television set here lately, watching banks go out of business, watching stores going down the tube, Circuit City's closing its doors, giant retail stores we never thought would fall apart or falling apart. 
we, the big three automakers who, who have billions of dollars are going to the government in order to get, to get loans in order to stay in business in our own city. We, we've got shipping issues coming into the port system. I mean, can I just share this with you? I don't know that I want to follow business models. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've had people say for years, we ought to run the church like the automakers. Well, boy, now that we're here, I wonder what they're saying. It's time that the church led the way in getting divine strategy. It's not just for the church, it's for your business too. Divine strategy just isn't church life. It's your life, it's your business, it's your family. It's whatever you've laid your hands to. Last time I read the Bible, it said whatever you do, you do is unto the Lord. So we've got to get some... Some divine strategy because if not, we will be as subject to the economic breezes as the world is. And as everything is closing down, shutting down, I'm telling you right now, it is an opportunity for us as the church to open up like we've never opened up before. It is an opportunity for you and I as individual Christians to begin to put into place certain strategies where the kingdoms of this world, as they crumble and they fall, we can begin to see the kingdom of our Lord and Christ begin to be established and manifested in our lives. Are you following me? But for that to happen, we got to break out of some mentalities that are out there and begin to get divine strategy that's in here. Now, that's going to be a lot harder than you think. Because we are so inundated and schooled and and... And, and 24-7, it just comes at us. And maybe for an hour or two a week, we kind of get a reprieve. And I'm telling you, we've got to break out of some things in order to get divine strategy. And, and that's why I've entitled the message this morning, Fasting for Your Strategy. Because there's got to be a way to break out of this mentality in order to get to the place where God can talk to us again. So that we can implement His plan and how many of you know his plan will look foolish to the eyes of the world? But God uses the foolish things, the scripture says, to shame the wise. He'll bring to naught the things that are through the foolishness of man. He'll do this. And, and we've got to get a hold of it. If we want to not just survive, but if we want to thrive in a challenging time, then we've got to fast for our strategy. Now, I want to read to you out of Second Chronicles chapter 20. Just, I'm going to use the whole chapter here, so just bear with me. If you brought your Bibles, just keep your finger right there. We're just going to walk through some things here. But I believe it gives us a template or it gives us sort of an outline of what you and I can begin to do in order to get a divine strategy to find some victory in our lives. Now, Second Chronicles chapter 20, let me just read a couple verses here and, and then I'll set it all up for us. Second Chronicles 20 verse 1, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hezon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, 
And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Fasting for your strategy. I have taught from this passage on occasion uh, in days past, usually on the subject, which we'll see here in just a moment, on the subject of praise and worship. Now, praise and worship will be an integral part of what God asks them to do here in this particular passage. But before we get to actually what they implemented, let's talk a little bit about this entire event because it unfolds within the context of the king calling a fast throughout the whole nation. Let me just set the stage for you. Here, here in chapter 20, Second Chronicles, we find the king of Judah. It's the southern kingdom. His name was Jehoshaphat. He is facing the greatest external threat to his kingdom that he has ever faced. The enemies have gathered round about Judah. According to the report, he is outnumbered at least three to one. Three to one, the enemy army stands against him. And his enemies are ready to come in to take him into captivity. It looks really bad. And and before we talk about how you get out of this really bad situation, can I just share... I think it's important we understand how he got into this situation because you know what? Sometimes you don't have to worry about getting out of a bad situation if you never get into a bad situation, right? The best defense is a great offense. Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of the southern kingdom. He was the son of the great reformer king, Asa. Asa had done so many things in order to right Judah's relationship before God. And so we know Jehoshaphat, growing up in the house of Asa, must have known the ways of God. And he must have watched in his father how to exercise godly rule over a nation. And so Jehoshaphat really had no excuse with regards to his leadership and rulership. We know that Jehoshaphat was about 35 when he became king. And the Bible tells us that in his early days, the scripture says he took delight in the ways of the Lord. The Bible tells us that he was one who sought the Lord with all of his heart. And because he did these things as a king, he became very powerful. He became very exalted. And God blessed him greatly because he followed the ways of the Lord. But as often is the case, when success comes to a person, pride enters in as well. And so Jehoshaphat suddenly enters into this pride. And in chapter 18 of Second Chronicles... The scripture tells us that he allies himself with the northern king whose name was Ahab. Now, for those of you that got a little Sunday school and some Bible under your belt, you'll know that Ahab should be a recognizable name because he was the wicked king of the northern kingdom. You remember Ahab probably most directly because of his wife, whose name was Jezebel. Jezebel was the one that manipulated certain circumstances, including her husband Ahab, in order to get the vineyard, as you'll recall, from Naboth. Naboth had a great, lovely vineyard, prime location, perfect spot, and uh, Jezebel wanted it, and she just sort of manipulated this whole thing until she finally manipulated the murder of Naboth. And uh, they got, Ahab and Jezebel got his little plot of land. Well, Elijah comes along, and Elijah the prophet by revelation from God, calls them on the carpet and then a whole another scenario begins to unravel with regards to Elijah, Jezebel, and Ahab. But Jehoshaphat begins to make alliances with Ahab and his major, 
his major goof was when he married the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. He married their daughter in order to produce this alliance. And through that relationship of marrying their daughter, he was led astray. He was led astray in his thinking. He was led astray into idolatry. He was led into a war that Ahab wanted to get into because he was in this alliance. And Jehoshaphat had no business getting into the war that Ahab wanted to get into. And Jehoshaphat nearly got himself killed, according to the scripture, when he entered into this war with Ahab. Now, I'm just going to give you a little side note here. This is free. This isn't in the message. This is free. That's what happens when we get into wrong relationships. When you get into alliances that are wrong, it will get you to a wrong place. Lord told me some time ago, he said, and I'm just quoting, when wrong people leave your life, wrong things stop happening. Now, I'm all for outreach. We're, we're about reaching people, loving people. Helping people. But the problem starts when you forget who is reaching whom. There is a reason the Bible says that we're not to be unequally yoked. And, and that's not just when you're considering marriage. It, it, it's about your friendships and your business partners and people you want to hang around. I mean, we got to start thinking through who we're going to yoke up with, who we're going to link with. I mean, you need to know who you're linking up to because some links in people's lives need to get broke. That's why Jesus said, he said, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. And he's going to drop that sword right in the midst of family and friends and acquaintances and all sorts of things. That's what he said. You've got to be yoked right because if you're yoked wrong, if they make wrong decisions, its repercussion is on you as well. But Jehoshaphat didn't get that instantly. It nearly cost him his life. But he does begin to regain his senses. And he repents before the Lord. And he goes back to seeking the Lord. But because of this time period, a door had been opened. Because Ahab lost the war and Jehoshaphat was a part of being on the losing side, it emboldened the enemy to come and surround him. They figured, well, he's aligned with Ahab. We beat Ahab. Therefore, he must not be much of anything either. And so the enemy gathers around Jehoshaphat, surrounds him. And now Jehoshaphat, despite the fact that he has repented and wants to get his life right before the Lord, he's in this terrible, terrible mess. Listen to me, folks. Sometimes you can make a lifetime of bad decisions, repent and begin to get your life right, but you can still have a repercussion of those poor decisions. Are you hearing me? So Jehoshaphat's facing some repercussions here. It produces fear. He was in an impossible situation. He knew that he could not defeat these enemies through his own natural power or wisdom. He needed divine help. He needed a divine strategy. And so Jehoshaphat calls a fast. He says, we're going to fast and we're going to pray. He did not call the joint chiefs of staff. He did not mobilize his pentagon. There was no war room discussion. He didn't call in all the movers and shakers. He said, we better fast. We better fast. And it was out of this fast that God begins to unfold 
this strategy. Let's talk about the unfolding of God's strategy. God begins to do some things and speak some things in the midst of this national corporate fast. Now, here's the good news. And, you, and, and get ready, I'm just, I'm just helping you here. Get ready to say amen. All right, get your amen up in your throat right now. This is the good news. You could have really messed yourself up in poor choices, poor relationships. But that doesn't mean that God won't come and help you. Can you say amen? That's good news. But that good news is only for you if, everyone say if, yeah, if you follow what I'm about ready to share with you. See, the bad news is this. If you choose to ignore all of this, you're fixing to get overrun by an enemy that's at least three times your size. You're fixing to go into captivity again. You're fixing to experience more pain. Now, here's what we need to do. We all need to stop and commit right now to avoiding as much pain as possible. Now, now hear me. I, I'm, I'm really serious about this. You're going to learn the issues of life one of two ways. You're going to listen to people who know what they're talking about. Or you're going to get pain. That's it. You, 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 you listen to people who have some experience and insight, a track record under their belt, and you can glean and implement what they tell you, or you can just get the pain yourself. And I'll just share this with you. Most people, the vast, vast, vast majority of people choose pain because they're convinced they know more. They're smarter. They're different. It's not going to work that way for me. I'm the exception. Go enjoy your pain. I can't, I, I want to stop it. God would like to stop it too, but God has linked himself to people's obedience. So, so we've got to uh, commit right now to avoiding as much pain as possible. So let me give you this, this process and I'm just going to read verses and walk through this and hopefully you'll begin to see it as well. The process here of God unfolding his strategy. Number one, it's this. Jehoshaphat started by declaring his confidence. In verse 5 it said that Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah, Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we'll stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Listen to me. Fasting is only a religious exercise unless you link your faith to your fast as well. You have got to get faith in your fast. Now, in the month of February, we're going to call February Faith February because I'm going to talk about faith all through February. 
So we'll get more to that. But faith, you, you've got to begin to have faith in God, faith in his word, faith in what he says, faith that he can do it. You've got to begin to believe confidently that God is able to do what he said he will do. And fasting by its very nature challenges your spirit because, come on, let's just be honest, you feel tired. I've not been putting in as many calories, not been getting probably all the protein I need. And so I've got less energy. I'm feeling a little bit more tired. I'm feeling drained. I'm starting to go to sleep at about 930 at night when usually I can stay up to about 11. And all of these things start to drain you. And you can either focus in on the draining or you can begin to focus in on your God who says, I will strengthen you in your weakness. Come on, you gotta choose to arise. See, that's why, that's why you enter a fast and it kinda depletes you because as you're, you know, most people arise in faith when they feel good. And they feel like it. You know, I, well, I feel pretty good today, so I guess I'll walk in faith. And then the day you don't feel so good, you don't walk in faith. And everything is linked to how you feel. We've gotta break out of that feeling. That's why you're fasting because you're automatically gonna feel a little bit lousier than normal. Amen. And so it gives you a 21-day period for you just to say, I'm going to feel kind of worse than normal because I'm not going to be able to feed the flesh. I'm not going to get my sugar rush. I'm not going to get all the things that I really like to do. So I'm going to be a little depleted, a little drained. Things aren't going to be quite like they were. But I can choose in 21 days to arise. To arise. And declare my confidence. Have you ever seen people at an airport? I'm... I'm a, just a people observer. I like to go places and, you know, Trace sometimes will go somewhere and she'll go shopping. And I just love to sit around and watch people. I, I, I could watch people go in and out of stores. I can watch people at a mall. I'll just sit down at one of those seats in the mall. And, you know, Trace and Kaylin may go through stores. And I'll just watch people. And I just love watching people. The best place to watch people is at an airport. You just sit in one of those seats. I try to get one of those seats where you can just watch everybody go by. Man, it, it, it turns that verse, for God so loved the world. It gives it a whole new dimension to that thought. And the most interesting thing that I watch on occasion is whenever you go up to your terminal, for those that, you don't, that don't fly much, you might not know this exactly, but for those of us that have to hop on a plane on occasion is that you can automatically tell who has a ticket to get on the plane and who's on standby. It's not a word of knowledge. But the people that have tickets are sitting in the lounge area. Some of them are snoozing, they're eating, they're just, you know, they're just relaxed. And the people who are on standby are buzzing the ticket counter. They just, they're walking around the ticket counter. You can tell, they're just like this. Now, now you know what the difference between the two are? Confidence. One is confident they're on that plane. The other one's not confident. And for some of us, that's how we are. We, we, we haven't reached the place where we can rest in God and believe He is who He says He is and He can do what He says He can do. No, we're still pretty much convinced that if I stand and pace in front of the ticket giver lady... That somehow or another that will make her or force her to get me that ticket. 
I got bumped from a flight. In fact, yeah, it was actually the first time uh, Trace and I ever met Laura when she was back doing, uh, uh, you know, flight attending things. I got bumped from a flight in Atlanta, had to stay overnight. And uh, I'm just here to tell you, I paced in front of that ticket counter, convinced that if I just paced there, because if you just give them your name and walk away, they might lose your name. Are you with me? They could have typed it into their computer. It don't matter. You're going to just walk there. And, and you're walking for several reasons. Number one is you're going to make sure that it's just because ain't nobody going to get on that plane before me. You're with me. And, 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 and you just, and, and your confidence. I mean, you're going to do everything in the flesh to make sure you get on that plane. And I'm just here to tell you something. I think at those moments, God just bumps you because he can. But as it turned out, we came back the next day, came next morning, we ran into Laura Willard and that ended up being probably a providential meeting. Sometimes you get bumped into God's providence. But you got you to get your confidence. You got to have a confidence that God is able to do what he says he can do. If you don't have confidence, folks, when we get to faith February, if you can't get confidence in who God is and what he can do, you will never see miraculous things happen in your life. I'm just going to be, I'm not saying that God won't be merciful and at times and at moments. Most people live on the mercy of God. They live on those sporadic little dribbles of his help from time to time because they're just full of anxiety and they they can't function in confidence. They don't really trust. And if they would just get to that point, they would see some supernatural activity more regularly in their life. So most of the praise report, I'm just being honest with you, most times people got a little dribble of mercy. Well, praise God. And aren't you glad for a dribble every now and then? But we need to get to the place where we declare our confidence. Who do we trust? Where is your confidence? When you see a challenge, do you start declaring, oh, it's falling apart, the ship's sinking? Or do you say, hey, Lord, this is what, this is what Jehoshaphat did. This is what he said. He said, your name is in this temple. Amen. Come on now. In this church, Jesus' name is in this church. Amen. Come on now. I remember David. David looked at Goliath. When he paralyzed all the armies of Israel. I love what little David did. I mean, David may not have been big. He may have had some gumption. I know there was confidence in there as well. Because David said to all the armies of Israel, he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes to taunt the armies of the living God? And you got to know the Hebrew to get this. But, but off in the corner, you could hear an angel saying, You go, David. Who is this? Who is this giant? Who are these enemies? Who is this problem? What is this bill? What is this relationship? What is this problem? Zechariah in Zechariah 4, 7 said it this way. He said, who are you, O great mountain? Who are you, O great mountain? Whatever your mountain is, who are you, O great mountain? That you would stand, that you would stand 
before a servant of the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain? When Jesus said, if you have faith but the size of the seed of a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it shall be removed. For I tell you, whatever you say with no doubt in your heart and believing, you will have what you say in my name. But it starts with confidence. Confidence. Oh, that's number one. All right. Number two. You got to break the arm of flesh. It says here in verse 12, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. That would be so nice to hear somebody stand up on national television and instead of doing all that they do to look like they know, why doesn't someone just stand up and say, I don't know. I'd vote for him. I don't know. I don't know. What do we do? I don't know. I don't know. What what, what do we do? Well, we just throw billions at it. That's what we do. And then we look like we know what we're doing. I don't know what we're supposed to know. Obviously, your, your national leaders should know what to do. Church leaders should know what to do. Parents should know what to do. Sometimes I don't know what to do. Maybe you think you always know what to do. If you desire God's strategy, I will assure you, you don't know what to do. The reason major cities in this nation have not seen widespread renewal is because we always think we know what to do. I'm just going to say it. We, we think that you get a certain number of people coming to your church and you're the expert. I have in recent days watched these great financial institutions and department stores and the auto dealers and the banks and the mortgage companies. They all have reached the brink of failure. Why would I want to implement their strategies? These corporate failures are a prophetic sign to the church to get our house in order. God is speaking to us through this national economic challenge with corporations falling. And he's saying to his church, weed out that corporate mentality. Because just as they fell, you too shall fall. If we don't get God's strategy in it. Fasting will break the arm of flesh. It breaks the arrogance of the mind. It breaks the strength of our will. There comes a moment when we say, God, it's yours. This is yours. Number three, you got to get a total focus on the Lord. Finishing that verse up after he says, we don't know what to do. He does say, but our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. Legacy, listen to me now. Our focus must be on the Lord. I'm just, I'm shutting my ears to every, to every so-called strategy that's generated in the earth. I don't want something that is origined in the earth. I want something that's origined in the kingdom of God. Our spirit is going to have to be real sensitive to the Holy Spirit in this hour. You know, I've listened for years. People use the term, you've heard me teach this before, the, 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 the term or the word balance, about how everything needs to be balanced. Having a balanced ministry and a, and a balanced word and, 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 and balance this and balance that. And I'm just, I'm balanced up to my nose. Keep it balanced, I've heard it said, Pastor. You know, you always got to say, 
You always got to say things that are balanced, balanced, balanced. And you know what's interesting to me? When I listen to people use the term balance, they don't, they don't mean what they think they mean. What that means is you don't get clean in and you don't get clean out. You just kind of keep your options open. You compromise, kind of be a little half-hearted, nothing too passionate. God does, let me just tell you, God doesn't want our balance. He doesn't want our balance. I am not a balanced person. Some people around town would say, we've known that for years. I mean, we've known. No, what, what I mean, God wants our focus. Focus. The greatest commandment is that we are to love the Lord thy God with what? All thy heart, all thy mind, all thy strength, all, everything I've got. I'm to love Him. Everything, my mind, my emotions, my, my will, everything. That's not balanced. I've often taught this, that when, when I look at my wife and I say to my wife, I love you, she does not want a balanced husband. I mean, I'm going down the mall. I've used this before, and it shocks me, but I'm going down the mall, and all of a sudden this pretty young thing walks by who hasn't had three children, four children. And, uh, you know, she's only about 20 years old, and so everything's still tight. And all of a sudden, I, you know, and all of a sudden, if she's this pretty young thing, I go like this. And my wife looks at me and she goes, what are you doing? And I look at her and I go, well, honey, I'm just being balanced. She's going to balance me with a two by four. I, that's not balanced. You're hearing me. I mean, we thought balance is we got to pick a little of the world out and pick a little spiritual stuff out and pick a little of this and pick a little of that. And we're just going to be balanced. No, you're not balanced. At all. You're defiled probably. That's what that is. We've got to get focused again. Passionate again. You don't want, you don't want your spouse balanced. You want them focused. So we got to get our focus on the Lord. The Lord's asking for all of our heart. He's not asking us. This is what we, we, he's really bringing us to this point. Will you look to me or are you going to look at everything else? Well, they do this. Well, they do this. Will they do that? What do you do? Number four. Verse 13, you got to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. It says, all of Judah with their little ones and their wives and their children stood before the Lord. They began to wait on the Lord. I'll be honest with you, it's one of my greatest challenges. Because I like the verse that says you got to seize it by force. I like that verse. That's, that's kind of my verse. Seize it by force. But I'm learning that timing is everything. And you're going to have to learn to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait to hear what He says. Just take a moment or two and, and let Him begin to input it. Not every decision has to be made in the next ten minutes. Wait on the Lord. And if we'll wait on the Lord, He will blossom. In fact, a lot of times, He won't give you the whole plan. He'll just say, here's the next step. And if you'll take the next step, then I'll give you the next one. But if I give you too much, you'll get your fingers in it. So wait on the Lord. Number five, begin to hear the voice of the Lord. In verse 14, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah. If you didn't know his pedigree, you got it right there. And uh, he said, Listen, all you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem... King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, don't be afraid, dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. 
Tomorrow go down against them. They'll surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. Now, do you hear that? It's a prophetic word where they're actually getting insight before the battle as to where the enemy's coming from. I would think that to be important in a battle. And you'll find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You'll not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear. Be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord is with you. They received a prophetic word. Now, let me just say, we believe in the prophetic word around here. Anybody ever tell you that apostles and prophets have somehow gone off the scene? Tell them, show you the verse. There is no verse that says that. I believe that God speaks today prophetically. Now, prophecy is not exactly the same as Scripture. Scripture, the Bible, is the final say in everything. You can't say that you got a word from the Lord and it violates the Scripture. That's not a word from the Lord. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that God can speak that are precept within the confines of the Bible. In other words, you know, the Bible says that, um, you know, if a man doesn't work, let him not eat. And so we know that it's important to get a job. And so let's say that uh, you have a job that's, that's just an ordinary job, but then there may be this other job that, that is evil or that's unrighteous. Well, I can tell you pretty much without having to go to prayer that it's not God's will for you to do something that's evil or unrighteous. That's pretty easy. But let's say you've got two job offers and both of them could be uh, done within the context of your Christianity. And sometimes in order to know what to do, you've got to seek God to hear what it is he would have you to do. And so sometimes God says things that are precepted in the scripture, but it's detailed with regards to its strategy. God has strategy to give you. And we must begin to hear the strategy come through the voice of the Lord. And the reason that's important, I often liken this to a, to a football coach. I don't know if you know the head coach is on the field with the football team. But there's another coach or two up in the box. Is that not right? Lots of times the offensive and defensive coordinators are up in the box. The reason they put coaches up in the skybox is because they have a much better look at the field. We got to get the voice of the one in the skybox. We got to get the voice of the one who can see the beginning and the end, who can see the whole thing start to finish, and we can begin to get his strategy, and he will speak it if we wait upon him and we have ears to hear. Number six, then you got to implement the strategy he gives. You got to do it. It's just not hearing it. You've got to begin to do it. In verse 20, it says they arose early in the morning, went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the Praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. After you weigh the word, you have to obey what he says. And it's a, a, a high likelihood that if God begins to speak to you, that sometimes he will ask you to do things that will stretch your flesh. It will stretch your faith. It will be something that will be out of the norm. He never, this is, God never says, for instance, in the job situation, he never says, 
Not that it's not right, don't misunderstand me, but it's never like go down and fill out an application and mail it in. That's not what God says. God usually asks you to do something really unique. Like, you know, pick up a phone at a certain time and, 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 and dial this number, or he'll prompt you to do something just a little bit out of the norm so that you know it wasn't you, but it was him who had spoke to you. God's going to speak strategies to churches. I'm just going to prepare you. Some of the things he asks of us may be a little bit different. I know people will say all around town and maybe some here, they'll go, I thought you were balanced. No, I'm focused. I'm focused. Got to implement the strategy. Number seven, then you receive the rewards of obedience. Listen to this. Now they began to sing and to praise and the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. In other words, they all turned on each other, killed each other. Then it says in verse 24, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were their dead bodies fallen on the ground. No one had escaped. They all killed each other. I don't, I guess the last guy committed suicide, I guess. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. Listen to this. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Isn't that amazing? The Lord set ambushes against them. They turned on each other. Now listen to this. Here's a story where Jehoshaphat was outnumbered three to one. It was an impossible situation. Unless God showed up, they were, they were in trouble. Big time trouble. But God gets in the middle of all this. He unfolds a strategy. They're faithful to implement it. And all of a sudden, what looked to be an impossible situation not only comes out good, it comes out victorious for the ones who obeyed God. The Lord has this unique ability of taking a table that the enemy has set you at and turning the tables on him. The people of Judah were able to go in and gather the spoil in this situation where it looked like they were going to lose it all. They end up getting wealthy off the deal. It took three days. Can you imagine three days carting this stuff off? You can begin to see in some of these precepts what God means when he says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. We are living in economic times of such proportion that if we would wait on the Lord and implement his strategy, I believe that God's people can come out of this season better than the world. Yes, we can. If you're linked up to the world system, de-link. It is time we linked up to God's system and you'll be amazed at what he will do. Now I'm going to make this real practical and then I'm done. I am personally convinced that for us as a people, there are at least two strategies that probably in February and March, at least the first of this year, that have been presented to me that I bear witness to and that I think we're going to implement somehow and we're going to put a little organization to it in order to get people involved. But just two strategies I believe the Lord has asked us to do. Number one is this, and Trace had shared this with me, and I believe it to be the will of God, and that is that 
that in this time, as, as, as we're preparing and waiting for all the permitting and financing and all the other things we may do with regards to our land and building project, we, 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 need, to send, we need to send some intercession teams out to that property on John's Island and begin the prayer process of cleansing and claiming the land. I mean, I know it's ours. We have it titled down at the courthouse, but now it needs to get titled in the spirit. And as we title it in the spirit, what we need is to make sure there are no liens in the spirit, no witchcraft, no divination, just spiritually prepare the land for a church that will be a staging area for the spirit of God to reach our region, this state and this nation. I mean, we, it'll be great when I watch all the, the ground moving equipment come in there. I need some of you to be some ground moving equipment in the spirit. The ground in this area cries out for justice. The land in this area cries out for cleansing. And we may not be able to get it all, but we can get our little piece of dirt right. And so we're going to be doing these things in order to prepare ourselves spiritually in order to do that as we wait for other things. Secondly, in fact, it was uh, Doc Glover who mentioned this to me and bore witness with me. And so we're going to work on this as well. And that is that that our heart isn't just for south of town or John's Island, but I'm here to tell you, we, we've got to reach a region. Come on now, a region. This region needs to be touched by an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And she suggested, and I believe it needs to, needs to find its application, and we're going to do that. But we've got to begin to do some, some walking in the, the peninsula area, because the peninsula area represents the door to the region. It really represents the gates to this area. And uh, Dot actually has mapped out the route concerning the old walled city. And it's about 1.5 miles, if I understand that correctly. And what we need to do, and as she shared that with me, there was something that leapt up inside of me as she began to share that about, about walking around those areas and, and seeing the walls spiritually fall down. Something leapt up in my city. You know, oftentimes we ask for walls to fall down in order that we can get into something. There's a wall that's hindering us and we want to get into something. But the Lord seemed to speak to me, much like Jericho, who when the walls fell down, most people don't realize why walls had to come down. Jericho had actually walled up the harvest that Israel was going to need in order to sustain itself for the rest of the campaign as it went in and took the promised land. The harvest had taken place, it had all been uh, 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 cultivated, it had all been brought in, the city was walled up. They were going to do their best to make sure Israel couldn't get that food, they were going to starve them out of the land. And so God gave this unique strategy to Joshua in order to bring the walls down. And, and when the walls came down, what happened was it wasn't just that the people got access to the harvest, but the harvest got released out of those walls into the millions that needed to participate in that. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said that 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 whole area is walled in, not so much as keeping things out, it may do that as well, but it's time those walls came down in order that the people could be free. It was like the Lord said to me, let my people go. There's a city, Charleston, let my city go. Let my people go. And, and I believe that there's a, a, a blessing slash 
judgment involved in it. But I believe, I really do believe that there's going to be revival that will take place in the peninsula. But because of how it's set up there, it's going to be difficult. It would be difficult to establish a church. But people are going out of the peninsula area to find where God's moving. It's amazing what you'll do when you need help. Not everything's carted to your front door. And so we're going to begin to spiritually begin to take to task those old walls that have been erected. And I want to conclude this morning by finishing with this. That before we go, I want to begin to pray for you to begin to receive revelation. If you're fasting, particularly if you're fasting and praying and giving and you've entered into all this, particularly for you, you're in a position to receive incredible revelation. You have positioned yourself to hear from God in a way that maybe you've never heard from him before. I've read to you some of the things that God's saying to folk. And I want to pray before we go this morning for people to receive revelation on the strategies that you need for your life circumstance. Some of you in this room right now, you are facing circumstances that are not that unlike what I just read to you in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You are facing circumstances where you feel outnumbered, you feel it's impossible, you feel like there's no way out, you would even admit to me that perhaps you made some poor decisions, some of what you're facing is the repercussion of those decisions. Let me tell you, nobody's here to pound you, jump on you, or make you feel any worse than you probably already do. That is not my intent. I'm simply saying, can we not spring from this place of pain and get into the answer God God has for you. And I believe that God wants to begin to unveil in this last week of this 21 day fast revelation. We are ending this week by having prophetic services on Saturday and Sunday and, and Sunday night. There's going to be a lot of opportunity to hear the word of the Lord and the voice of the Lord if you avail yourself to it. But I was thinking of a story that Bill Hammond told years ago about in the early years of the latter rain movement. He said that in those days you would have to fast and pray for three days before you would even be considered to receive a prophetic word from the prophets. Can you imagine? Can you imagine today? I mean, we have no concept of something like this. Today we feel like we're all deserving of a prophetic word. In fact, in fact, we won't link, we won't do anything, and we'll run to where the prophets are prophesying thinking that we're deserving of a prophetic word. He said back in those days you had to commit yourself to at least three days of fast to even get to sit in the section that they would pull people out of in order to give a prophetic word to. And even then, if there was no guarantee you would receive one. You would have fasted for three days. I could hear it right now. I fasted for three days and he didn't give me a word. We're sorry that the fast hurt you. He said the time that he was coming before the presbytery, he said that there were 19 people who had fasted for at least those three days. He said he and one other person decided they would fast for 21 days. And he said when the presbytery came in order to minister and prophesy over people, they only picked two people. I had no idea. They, all they knew was they all had fasted. Only two of them had gone the 21 days. And, and believe it or not, by the Spirit, they pulled out those two people that had fasted the 21 days. Only those two people received ministry that day. Could you imagine? There were 17 people who had fasted three days walking out going, what's the deal? Because you all know people, right? 
But after that 21 days, it absolutely revolutionized him for the rest of his life. Listen to me. We have as a body spent 21 days. We will have spent 21 days before the Lord fasting, praying, hopefully giving, doing all that we know to do. If you've not entered in, you can enter in now. I mean, I, I'm not saying that, that God is this, this, this legalist. I'm just saying, he, you know, he's, he's watching the serious. He's seeing those who are passionate. And I believe starting today, this last week, going into the weekend, I believe that many, many are going to receive ministry. Of course, you know, there's no guarantees, but, but many are going to get strategies, insight, keys, unbelievable things that will finally unlock the problem that you're facing. And the question I want to ask you this last week is, what are you willing to do this last week to get that strategy? Just, just to get a strategy. I, 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 I don't know what that means to you. I'm, I'm becoming as, as focused and as resilient and tenacious as I know to be because I'm just telling you, God, God's getting ready to do something really, really big. He really is. And you don't have to sit in the stands and watch the parade go by. You can get in the middle of the parade. If we fast for a strategy, amen? Let's all stand, shall we? Does this come from you? Or just a... It's a request, as unto the Lord, we ask for the unusual supernatural. We've got to do the unusual in the natural for the supernatural to pour out. Folks, if doing what we've done would get us there, we'd be there. But if we'll begin to hear God's strategy and do what may be just a tad bit unusual. Can you imagine just sending your singers out first? And all they did was worship God with the singers out first. I'm sure, I'm sure the singers appreciated that that day. That the king said, listen, we're not going to go to battle this day. The Lord says we're going to win this thing and we're not going to have to lift a finger. So choir, you go out first. Just want you to know we're all behind you. <laughs> I've had that happen to me before. Pastor, you go ahead and do it. We're behind you. Appreciate that. But you know what? They did... God moved, supernatural things happen. Father, right now I ask in Jesus' name that you would just let your spirit begin to hover in this place. Lord, I want to pray for people here in these last few moments. I want to pray for folks. I don't know, Lord, if it means it's a preparation prayer, if it's a if it's a prayer just of commitment for some who are looking at this last week and saying, I'm stepping up. I don't know what it may mean to different people, but I know there are people here right now that are needing strategies for their situations. They're needing a divine plan. They've talked to their family. They've talked to their relatives. They've talked to their friends and their co-workers. They've got everybody's opinion on what needs to be done. But Lord, they need a divine strategy. And Lord, I ask this morning that 
as we begin to pray for these that I know will be coming in just a minute, that, Lord, as they come, that, Lord, by stepping out and just coming to the place of prayer, that in that act, Lord, they'll be saying, I break the arm of flesh. I, I, I break my contrivances, my personal, my personal uh, ideas. I lay all that on the altar. Lord, I need to hear from you. My focus is on you. My confidence really, really, really is in you. You know, sometimes whether, really whether you're, you're, you're rich or poor, or whether you press through or you go bankrupt, sometimes whether you live or die, to be candid with you, it doesn't really mean that much when you finally get your confidence back in the Lord. My confidence is in the Lord. That's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It, it just really doesn't matter much what happens. I win because my focus is right. Continue to play, guys, back in the sound booth. Continue to play that quiet times for just a minute. And Laura, if I could get some musicians, maybe. And we may sing here in just a minute. That going forward, I, I like that. Uh, isn't that the, what's, the, what's the song we sang, that last song we sang? I'm going your way. But here's what we want to do. Some musicians, some singers are coming. And they're just going to get ready. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for people right now. I mean, I'm really going to pray for you right now. If, if, if you're needing divine strategy, this is the last week of the fast. This is the last few days of this fast. We're going to get breakthrough. I told you at the beginning of it, we're praying for breakthrough. It doesn't have to be high energy. It doesn't have to be glitzy. It's just we're going to get breakthrough in the Lord right now. Amen. And if you're needing some breakthrough, if you're needing strategy in particular, I'm going to begin to pray for people right down here this last week and we're just going to agree together right now that God's going to speak to you amen is your confidence in him that he will speak to you if you have confidence he will so right now I just want those who would want prayer right now I just want you to come and begin to fill in the front and we're going to begin to pray we're going to believe that right now something's going to happen this last week to begin to open up your ears to open up your eyes to begin to position you for divine strategy divine strategy every time i see jimmy kirby i just know god has such a big plan i really do i know i know that that there's something there's something that god has that that is going to just explode you from where you are into where he wants you to be you are a man with with witty ideas you are you are a man that god gives unusual insight into the area that you you tend to what what would be called your job or your career and and those things have sort of nibbled at the edges it is it has produced hope but i'm telling you the 2009 it, it, it's not just there's an idea but that god's going to give you the the path and the road and the strategy to break through of that there there have been those voices jimmy listen to me carefully we love people there have been voices that have that have said because they're very astute in the areas that you deal in. They're, they're very knowledgeable. They know, they know so much. But I'm telling you, the Lord is saying right now, I'm breaking the power of those voices. Because they may have a part of the idea, but God says, I'm going to give you the strategy. I'm going to give you this. It's going to be an unusual strategy that will bless and help. In fact, I actually see something. I know you deal primarily in the area of plants and flowers and trees. 
But the Lord just, just lifted in me and said, to say the word gardening to him. That, that I'm going to produce a witty strategy in areas of gardening as people produce food. And even as it begins to start in their backyards, the Lord says, I'm going to take what begins in people's backyards and begin to translate that into a far broader aspect of, 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 of overall food feeding with regards to nations. I mean, we're talking about the food process. As it's done in America. It's almost like, I don't know if it's like a fertilizer. It's, 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 but God says it's not just going to go on plants and trees. But there's a gardening aspect to it. Until it finally becomes a crop aspect. Hallelujah. I mean that's the type of breakthroughs we're talking about. For God's people. Hallelujah insight revelation come on you got to be willing you got to be willing i mean this is this is the part that jesus said he said if you die you live if you give up you get in if you're last you shall be first are are you hearing what he's saying right now he's looking at us and saying if you will let go of all your cleverness if you will let go of all your ingenuity if you will let go of all your ideas and, and folks, when it boils right down to it, it, the tough word is this. It may be refined, but it's still a, an aspect of rebellion. When we want what we see, we want, and not really what God has said to do. If we'll let that stuff go and die to that, he will bring to life your future. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody together. Holy Spirit. You're honored in this place. And you're honored in my life. I tell you what, right now, just touch your ears. Say, that's that's strange. Yes, it is. Do something strange. Right now, as you touch your ears. Say, in Jesus' name, (laughs) ears be open. That I might hear the inaudible then I might hear conversation in the spiritual realm that I might hear strategies plans tactics from the spirit of the Lord I'm believing Lord that this week you're going to speak in my life And in this church life, strategies that I've never heard before. I'm committing now to be a receiver. To not dismiss it. Even if it's weird to my flesh. Strange to my mind. (laughs) I'm going to receive it. And implement it. And be obedient as I know how. To see your hand begin to move in my life I believe it I'm positioning myself this last week I'm positioning myself with greater consecration greater focus greater commitment for you to do exactly that my confidence is in you In Jesus' name.
Jesus' name. Hey, hang on, just hang right now. Now just hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. See, what we do is we say amen, and then we think, we think that means, go. Hang on, hang on. Don't lose, don't lose your focus now. Because I'm just saying right now, things will begin to pop. Let them begin to pop right now. Come on, they're going to pop. They're going to pop. They're popping. Ideas, witty, witty ideas. They're popping, popping, popping. What more can I do? You said, what more can I do in this situation? There's nothing, I've heard people say, there's nothing more I can do. Wrong. Right now, God says, if you've exhausted yourself, then you're perfectly positioned to hear what more you can do. Come on, every time you hear my, 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 my fingers snap, pop, come on, pop, loose, 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 loose those ideas, loose those things right now in Jesus' name. Unlock those things in Jesus' name. Come on, this is about hearing from God and you get to access God yourself and hear that, that witty thing from Him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, I want to encourage you right now. Pray pray not only even now as we're standing here, but pray as you leave from this place. I have found when I pray in the Spirit, revelation begins to build up inside of me. I pray in the Spirit, and all of a sudden it's as if, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, let him who pray in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. And I believe that that passage means that as I pray in the Spirit, that, that there can be an interpretation that comes up with that, and that becomes the revelation. I don't even know what I'm saying outwardly. It sounds just like all these syllables, but, but all of a sudden something wells up in me when you pray in the Spirit. Come on, because you know what? This is the year of victory. This is your year. It's God's year in you, but this is your year. I'm telling you, it is your year. It is your year. It is our year. It is God's year. Hallelujah. See, that that prophetic spirit has already begun. It's already begun right now. Yes, it has. It has already begun right now. Hallelujah. Guys, are you still spinning? Because I'm telling you, there's, there's a prophetic spirit right here. This young man. Eric, 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 come here, man. Come here. Just, just grab my hand. Father, I thank you for this young man. I thank you for his life. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in him and his future. Lord, I know a little bit, just a little, little bit about all the things that you've been talking to him about. And that, Lord, right now, right now, there are so many things, Lord, that need to fall into place in order to enflesh all that you have spoken into his heart and in his life. Lord, I ask you right now, in the name of Jesus, to unlock his strategy for his future right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I know right now you're doing some things and that, and that you're giving direction and that you're calling him Lord, to a place that he knew not. And he's wondering how it's going to happen. And the Spirit of the Lord says, Son, I'm going to bring you to this place by a way that you know not. For there have been others that have gone down certain paths. And yes, I have been a part of that. Others that have gone down the path where even you are headed that I've not designed, saith the Lord. But your heart has been toward me, declares the Lord. And I have seen that. 
And I am going to bring you now by a way that you know not. I'm not going to call you the way that just others go, but I have called you to be really a nation changer, a world changer. And in order to do that, my preparation for you, says the Lord, shall be different. For yes, I have brought you to this place at this time. And be at peace, saith the Lord, that where you are at at this time is where you needed to be. But I am going to begin to unveil some things and do some things. And do not be surprised, saith the Lord, if I put before you the thing which you would say, that's not a normal route. And Lord, the Lord says, I will instill in you in courage that will even begin to share with those around you who would look at you and say, that is not normal. I will give to you, saith the Lord, a courage for you to step into that thing. And I will make my way known. And I will even resource it, says the Lord, to those same voices who said, I'm not sure it could be God. will have to say, but he has resourced and he has provided and he has done this thing. And if you will wait on me, says the Lord, wait on me and see this thing happen. Do not push the door down, but wait on me, says the Lord. Lord, I will do this thing and it will be a marvel and you will touch many and your effect will reverberate, saith the Lord, even across state lines. God says, I will do this thing as I begin to put it in you by my word, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. I, you know what I believe the Lord's saying? He's saying that's a ta- there, there's a tasting of the power of the age to come. Come on, we're not going to start. Pastor Rod's coming at the end of the, the week. And I'm just, God, what God's doing is he's creating hunger right now. That's what he's doing. He's creating spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. Come on. His word is likened to bread. His spirit is likened to drink. Come on, he's creating hunger so that we hunger and thirst after his word and after his spirit. Hallelujah. Orababadasondo. Begin to play, guys. Just start to begin to play. Begin to play. Just begin to keep playing that, guys. Just keep playing that. Come on, begin to make melody in your heart right now. Come on, God speaks through that. Make melody in your heart. You can hear the chord progression. Just hum. Keep playing, guys. Come on, begin to to lift your voice and begin to just... Just sing. Sing those four chords. Just lift your voice. and You can just sing something like, I, I need to hear. Oh, I need to hear, oh God. Yes, I need to hear. Come on, intense. Go! 
Jordan. Bora. I'm coming. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. Go! 